Hello and welcome into a special Jules edition of Turn It Up, the Punters podcast. I'm Johnny Turner, your host, and I can't wait to work our way through nine fantastic harness Jules races on Saturday at Addington. That's the boss to fire us up ahead of our Jules analysis. Yes, glory days, and yeah, there will be glory days had by nine Jules winners on Saturday. Our task, of course, is to find the right ones pre-race. Uh, let's rip straight into thing, things. Massive show coming up. Obviously lots of guests, lots of races to analyse so we won't hang around. Let's get straight into the four-year-old diamond. Yes, four-year-old diamond for the four-year-old mares to kick off Harness Jewels Day, and Elmac looks a shot side to be fair. A dollar twenty-two, her current fixed odds price, and fair enough. I think she's been battle-hardened by a season of basically racing open-class horses. Of course, she did take on a few mares races during the season as well, where she uh, pretty much played second fiddle to Dream About Me. But yes, back in four-year-old mares com- uh, company. Certainly does look her race for the losing. Uh, instead of going to the All-Stars camp, because we can't make, uh, well, we can't be tipping too many 122 shots as our best suggested bet, so we're going to go to the two major chances in the race. So first up on the Punters podcast this afternoon is Tiger Swift's trainer, Steve Telfer. Steve, thanks, uh, first of all, for joining us. Of course, Tiger Swift comes off uh, a good win at Alexandra Park. Obviously, heads down to Eddington in good order. Yeah, look, she she is in good form. She um, it was a good win last start, and everything sort of went her way. But um, she's um, since then her work's been really good, and she travelled down there on Tuesday morning and arrived well. And um, yeah, she seems very bright. Steve, we haven't seen a large amount of gate speed from Tiger Swift recently. Uh, what are you expecting to see on Saturday? Um. She's look. She's a mare that you've um, you just got to go with her. Um, some days she'll get out, and some days she won't. So um, she, um, yeah. So David will handle that. And some days she says she wants to run the gate, and others um, others she doesn't. So um, from from that barrier draw over there, we're sort of hoping that she'll she'll run forward a little bit. In assessing her opponents, how do you think she'll measure up class wise against the likes of El Mac? Yeah, well, she's 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 got a little bit of a barrier advantage over the. The, the two main ones, um, and she's raced in the, the big races all season and, and and run good races, although just behind Elmec. So um, you know, hopefully with a bit of luck, bit of luck of running and maybe a little bit of bad luck the other way, she'll um, yeah she'll she'll be hard to beat. Steve Telfer, thanks for your time and all the best on Saturday. Hey, thanks, mate. From one realistic each way and place chance to the next, we're going to talk with Aussie correspondent Brittany Graham. Brittany, thanks for joining us for another week. We need to get an eye on major occasion. I had her as a genuine each way player on the in the race. Uh, is that fair enough? Definitely, I think she has an each way chance, Johnny. The barrier draw has really hurt her chances. However, she showed she's up to the best mares with that great run in the Ladyship Mile. She's got all the ability to be a strong contender, but from the inside of the second row, and with the horse that probably doesn't have the best gate speed or form that she's following out, it it really means that she's probably going to be shuffled back and will have to come off or or really hope for luck. So, unfortunately, with the draw, her chances have been severely dented, but if splits went her way, 
she can certainly capitalise upon them. So best case scenario, she's three wide with cover around that uh, last bend. Is that something that's going to suit her? Can she reel off a quick coordinate, do you think, to put herself at least in a maybe a top three sort of striking chance? She's very adaptable throughout the Ladyship Mile Carnival, throughout the Miracle Mile Carnival when she was going in those Ladyship races. She was racing really tough and was outside the leader more often than not. And I guess she's got the tough tag. But I remember during the Queensland Oaks, she was very, very unlucky not to win that race. And she was darting through the middle and, and has just come up really short on that occasion. So showed her speed. So She's certainly got a few strings to her bow and, and is adaptable to any situation. So if she was within striking distance, she's certainly not a plugger, but she can reel off a really slick last quarter if need be. That was Brittany Graham. We'll come back to her later in the podcast. Let's firm up our selections for the four-year-old diamond, Al Mac, $1.22. You won't get rich, but she's got to go on top. Uh, as far as second goes, yeah, I'm with Tiger Swift. I think she's got the class on most of her rivals. You could say uh, she and Major Occasion look on a similar plane, but of course, yeah, that horror draw for Major Occasion. She's uh, down on the inside of the second row, follows out Bakiro, who uh, is noted for not getting out of the gate quickly. So I'm uh, going with... Uh, Tiger Swift to beat her. I think Major Occasion should be able to work out at some point. I've got her in for third. Uh, fourth was a toss-up. Uh, I was considering better than Katie just because she gets out of the gate so well. And the other option was a need and rain. I ended up going a need and rain because she's got it worked her well her way uh, right up the rating. So I uh, just think she's possibly a little more hardened to be taking on this sort of Group One company. So. Uh, in summary, eight to beat uh, six, nine, and five. Elmac Tiger Swift major occasion, and a need and rain. Right, let's move on with things we can't afford to hang around. We've got eight more races to get through. We'll crank a little bit more of the boss, get organised, and come back and have a look at the two-year-old trot. You're on Turn It Up, the Punters podcast. We're cranking a little bit of the boss. Dancing in the dark. There'll be a few doing that with Jules trophies after the last, possibly earlier in the day too. Uh, if you're winning the four-year-old diamond or the two-year-old ruby, which we're about to preview next, you'll be dancing early in the afternoon. Right, let's talk about what's going on with this race. Of course, Tailored Elegance has burst onto the scene and into favouritism for the Harness Jewels. We'll talk to Mark Purden in a moment, get an update on her. But the interesting runner for me is Ultimate Stride. He looks so good, so good winning the sales race. And then, of course, he flew to bits in the size stakes race won by Tailored Elegance. Let's see what's doing with Ultimate Stride. We have Phil Williamson joining us on the line. Phil, How's he been since that gallop? Did you get to the bottom of what went on there? Did you put it down to the fact that he drew one on the second row? Uh, yeah, we, we are at this stage of it, Johnny. We sort of uh, not one for making too many excuses. He, he probably shouldn't have done it, but um, uh, he has had a bit of uh, uh, rev up in his races and the fact that he's been sort of used a bit and it's uh, made him a little bit on the keen side early, so... Uh, with the front row draw, we'll definitely be capitalising on that end of it. He's only drawn the front row once in his lifetime, which is incredible, and uh, he's certainly made use of that uh, with a very stylish win. And as you say, you, it doesn't sound like you'll be hanging around uh, waiting things for, for things to happen for you on Saturday. 
No, no, we'll definitely be uh, going forward, that's a, that's a certainty, and uh, hopefully it's forward trotting, Johnny, and if it is, um, I believe he, he's hard to beat. Uh, tell us about how the horse is and himself, he's obviously had a few starts now, and uh, apart from last start, he looked to be improving in, in terms of his ring craft, and in terms of how he's, tell us how he's looking and feeling and, and leading into the race. Yeah, every, everything's pretty good on that, that count, uh, Johnny, I, I'm pretty happy with it. His all-round game, um, he seems well and uh, his work's pretty good and uh, you know, and he's a quality horse. So, no, we, we'll be making no excuses, Johnny, and I expect him to be, uh, you know, pretty tough to beat, actually. That was Phil Williamson and it sounded to me like a reasonably confident Phil Williamson. We'll go to the camp of the favourite now and welcome in Mark Purden into the show for the first time. Thanks once again for joining us, Mark. Uh, Tailored Elegance goes into the two-year-old Ruby after winning the size stakes final. She looked to win that with plenty in hand. Was it as easy as it looked? Yes, she's improved with each outing, Johnny, and um, you know she was she was always going to be hard on that start before when she ran a good third so uh, she got a, she got ended up getting a nice run from a, a wide draw but uh, it worked out well and she was she was too good she won nicely you've mentioned she's kept improving the season obviously we've all noticed that too mark i wonder could she possibly strip an even better horse than we've seen already on harness jewels day yeah i wouldn't rule her out um she's to the second line and it may work out all right she follows out one of john dunn's it's got reasonably good form and if he does do things right he's, he's quite a nice horse too so um you know all going well she gets she, and and johnny's horse behaves itself and she she should end up getting quite a nice run through mark Purden there of course we'll be coming back to him regularly throughout the podcast you're on turn it up the punters podcast and we are about to finalize our selections for the two-year-old Ruby. In terms of tactics, and this was the case uh, certainly for the first race, <laughs> it's a little bit of uh, a pick and a poke in terms of who may lead, who may uh, do things right in this case. So we won't go too deep into tactics. One thing I will say is uh, Tailored Elegance is in a little bit of a tricky spot, I think, following out one Magic Kenny. I don't think that's the place for her. Uh, he certainly has been a little bit rough out of the gate at times. One Magic Kenny, very talented horse, but has been doing things wrong every now and again. Let's uh, firm up some selections. I think the words of Phil Williamson have certainly swayed me. Uh, he seems confident and he's got a very nice horse. The key to uh, ultimate strides chances, I think, is the fact that he's drawn well, drawn four, and he's drawn the front row, drawn the front row once in his life, and he bolted in, so uh, that'll do me. Four ultimate stride to beat, 11 tailored elegance. I've gone six, Cracker Hill. Um, just talking to Phil recently, he, he did tell me that there's not too much between ultimate stride and Cracker Hill, and... Uh, gee, Cracker Hill has certainly lifted his game the last couple. Mu- Muscle Mountain is a must include off the one. A little bit short for mine. He's uh, around that 480 quote, of course, 240 for Tailored Elegance. Uh, 370, the quote, for uh, Ultimate Stride. Uh, I just don't think he's quite headed in the right direction. I certainly could be wrong. Uh, speaking to the Hope Camp at uh, the recent Omaru meeting, they were upbeat, so... Uh, you've certainly got to take notice of that. But, uh, yeah, I've got him in for fourth. Uh, ultimate stride to beat Tailored Elegance, uh, Cracker Hill and uh, Muscle Mountain in for fourth. That is 
of course, your two-year-old Ruby. And, yeah, there's certainly a little bit of talk around the place that the trotting races are the races of the day. And uh, analysing that event, it's uh, it's pretty hard to argue. Hey, uh, you're on Turn It Up, the Punters podcast. Uh, we've started our uh, musical choices with a bit of the boss. There he is. Crank him up again. Uh, we'll go to another quick break. Get organised. You're on the uh, Turn It Up the Punters podcast with Johnny Turner. We're previewing the Harness Jewels. We're two down. We've obviously got seven to go. Two-year-old Phillies time, the two-year-old diamond for the pacing Phillies in an intriguing contest. This, of course, uh, the star is back, sweet on me. She's been so dominant this season, just the one defeat to her main rival, Amazing Dream. She's come up $1.60, sweet on me. Uh, Amazing Dream 290 off her two on the back row draw. Uh, the done pairing next, Spellbound out of the one hole, out of the ace, and Tiffany Rose. Probably didn't matter where she drew on the front line, barrier six, because uh, she can fly out, we know that. Uh, let's focus on the Purden pairing. We'll go back to Mark Purden. I have to ask you, Mark, sweet on me, we haven't seen her for a couple of weeks or so. How is she? She's good, uh, Johnny. She's going to have a run at Daddington um, this week and uh, a workout. But uh, but she seems pretty good. Mark, Amazing Dream was obviously the dominant filly early in the piece. Uh, Amazing Dream comes into the race after an exceptional one in the size uh, in the sales series race. Has the gap changed at all between these two? Yes, it's closed a lot, Johnny. And I think uh, Amazing Dream, you know, she's hardy. So the racing's improved her, and um, you know she's a tough little filly. And and um, you know last start was a, a good effort to. You know, it will depend on what happens early for Amazing Dream and where she ends up and how far back. But um, where Sweet On Me probably, um, you know, she'd probably end up going forward from out, out wide and, and taking a handy position. So it really will just depend on the, the way it's run and the runs they get. With the way the barriers have swung, is it possible that you could perhaps even uh, argue a case that Amazing Dream may go ahead of Sweet On Me? Are you able to split them at all? Yeah, look, at it. it they're hard to split. Um, you know, it will depend on what happens early for Amazing Dream and where she ends up and how far back. But um, where Sweet On Me probably, um, you know, she'd probably end up going forward from out, out wide and, and taking a handy position. So it really will just depend on the, the way it's run and the runs they get. That's the main camp, uh, the Perdon Rasmussen camp in the two-year-old diamond. We'll go to the second uh, biggest hand in the race, Robert Dunn. He has Spellbound and Tiffany Rose in the event. We'll go Spellbound first. Robert Dunn, thanks for joining us once again. Did you get to the bottom of the problem with Spellbound? Obviously, uh, she was not herself last time out with that sixth. Yes, we, she has, Johnny. We have got to the bottom of her. She had just uh, raised the high white cell count and um, quite a while after race actually through the heart rate to come down around about 50 minutes so obviously something drastically wrong with her we've treated her since and uh taken another blood on the i think it's friday and it was a hell of a lot better and we're doing another one today just done it now so um but the way she felt this morning i think we're back on target again 
Well, that's great to hear that she's uh, more than likely going to be back to 100% by race start time. Hey, let's talk about Barrier 1. She hasn't been asked to buzz the gate too many times. Is there any concern about how she may hold up? No, no, she hold up easy. No, she's just uh, only sort of, well, she, she probably didn't draw that good early on and, and um, Tony was, you know, of the opinion of better to be an art major, better just to let her settle. But uh, no, she's got gate speed. She's got very, very high early speed, so it'd be no problem holding up, you know, early on and, and holding the front if she wants to stay there while it's up to Johnny. She's been so consistent this season, Tiffany Rose. She also has a reasonable draw to work with, considering she's got gate speed. I'd imagine with a, a draw advantage over her main rival, she may look to push forward. Well, I think she might have to because of that draw. And you're right, Johnny. She's drawn inside sweet on me, and of course the other top fully drawn second line. So um, all the race of season, she's been in front, and um, she did take a trail yeah, towards the halfway stage of the last week's run. I think she's better in front of herself, Tony. Um, she just gets that rhythm going, and she's a very good staying filly with high speed, so it'll be up to Blair. But, um, you know, I'd like probably to see her back in front again, and I can't see why we'd try and change her racing pattern, but it's just up to, I suppose, how she leaves the barrier and how Blair feels she's travelling, you know, on the day. Just considering what Spellbound's been through and how consistent Tiffany Rose has been, would, could you split the two? I know in the past you've thought perhaps Spellbound was slightly the better horse, but just for Saturday's race, could you split them? Yeah, I reckon they're even, because probably Johnny was the one that always thought that um, Spellbound was the better of the two because she was so dominant early on against her all the time and not only work but also trials. And uh, they obviously never met at all in a race, but she... Uh, I think Tiffany Rose, just for that Northern Trips, carried on improving. I thought her run last week was strong. I, um, you know, like she could have probably stayed in front of those six said She got a little bit keen, Justin, and Johnny was moving three wide, and, and Matt drove a great race leaving in there. So it really forced Blair's hand to, to uh, give the lead away to her. And a great drive by Nat, I thought. But um, I like Tiffany Rose better in front because she gets the rhythm going, she gets her head down a bit lower. And uh, she's, a, she's a very, very strong front-running front horse. So, uh, yeah, I don't think much between them, Johnny, to the truth. Some key information to come out of both of our interviews. Of course, Robert Dunn keen on Tiffany Rose leading. That could set up a scenario where she leads spellbound trails and one of the Purden Rasmussen horses is forced to sit parked. Uh, in terms of uh, Mark Purden's thoughts, I got a reasonable push. I know he didn't want to split them, but I got a reasonable push there for Amazing Dream. She's obviously come on le leaps and bounds. She's obviously got that race fitness on her side, and that's enough for me to say, yeah, she probably can sit outside uh, Tiffany Rose and beat her and obviously hold out Spellbound as well. Yeah, I'm going to put her on top of Sweet On Me. I think they are the dominant fillies, even though the Dunn pair have the draw advantage and could get the run advantage on the day. Uh, I like Tiffany Rose. I think she's a really good place bet. I think $2.35 is probably as good a value as you'll find all day. Uh, and Spellbound, I just couldn't have her in three just on that last uh, performance. So, yes, uh, amazing dream to beat Sweet on Me, uh, Tiffany Rose, and Spellbound. That wraps up your two-year-old dime. And still, plenty to come on Harness Jewels Day, uh, cranking some of the boss. Bruce Springsteen. We'll find another artist next as we roll through the program. Still heaps to come. Let's take a break. Come back next race.
You're on it. Turn it up. The Punters Podcast. Johnny Turner here, previewing the whole Jules card. Turn it up, the Punters Podcast. That is, what is that song again? It's the Boss, uh, Hungry Heart. Yeah, that's right in the middle of the lyrics there. Should have realised that one. Anyway, shall we move on to racing? That's probably something I know a lot more about than uh, Springsteen songs. Although, I do rate myself as a Springsteen aficionado, just for the record. Uh, certainly don't want to be negative about Harness Jewels Day. The, Nine fantastic races, but if you're going to stack them in order, yeah, I would probably put this one at the bottom uh, as far as the interest goes. Probably the least interest around this race, possibly from a betting perspective and just from a spectacle perspective. I'm not expecting fireworks here. It all looks very predictable. That's because one change is such a dominant two-year-old and he's, uh, I guess that dominance firmed up when Smooth Deal came out of the race. So yes, uh, we're heading back to Mark Purden now. Uh, one change, uh, he's been on a rise this season, Mark. Uh, and last start with that impressive win, he stamped himself as a horse with the, the all-round game when he ran the gates and obviously came up the passing lane to win. Yeah, that's right. He's you know probably um, flying even better as the one to beat, and he's on the second line, so... You know, the speed he showed out of the gate last time, you think he'd probably hit across what's inside him and, um, you know, certainly be in front early. You've mentioned flying even better, drawn the second row, and, of course, that negates one of his major weapons and his gate speed. Yes, that's right. You know, he's raced great all season. He's a horse I was hoping might get a good draw, but that's how I found out. One change has obviously been a huge improver for your team, but it seems like uh, Virgil has been as well. Seems to be just uh, improving nicely as the season has gone on. Yes, he is. He's, he's an honest little horse. You know, probably just just not up with one change and flying even better, but it's in saying that not far behind them. Punters don't have a huge amount to go on with Dinah Bolt. Uh, can you assess the chances of this horse uh, going into the race? Look, if he'd drawn good, I, I'd have said, well, he's a place chance. But from out there, it's it, it's going to be hard for him. And um, a, a lot will depend on whether he can just get a drag into the race or, or um, yeah, what sort of run he does get. But uh, from out there, it'll be difficult. Yes, I've got an absolute mortgage on this two-year-old Emerald final one change. 145 ahead of flying better two, not, flying even better 290. 14s around Virgil. They're my top three selections, six to beat 10 and four. I've gone William Wallace, uh, the $31 shot. 370 a place. I, I think he would be uh, not... Well, he wouldn't be too far away from Virgil in terms of ability. He's got a slight draw advantage, so there could be some value there if you like uh, William Wallace. But yeah, we're not going to hang around and uh, pontificate over this race. It sounds like uh, the Perdon Rasmus and Camp are confident one change can lead, and if that's the case, it's probably game over. So yes, we'll move on quickly. Uh, we have still plenty of races to talk about, so... We'll get some more people on the line. You're on Turn It Up, the Punters podcast. We're getting through the Jules card. Up next, yes, the three-year-old Trotters. It's going to be one of the more intriguing races on the program. We'll let you listen to a little bit of Tom Petty this time. We'll come back and get on the phone again. But I ain't got wings Coming down 
Ripping, shot, rip, ripping song that it's a shame to cut it short to be fair listen to me blather on or crank a bit of Tom Petty anyway you're stuck with me if you're on the Pundas podcast uh, you're in search of Harness Jewels winners we're doing our best to bring those to you uh, and Hunch will come the three year old Ruby favourite 175 ahead of Tickle Me Pink 480 $8.50 lot of muscle and $10 the Aussie all cashed up. Uh, we obviously have a huge amount of respect for Enhance Your Calm. He does look the winner, but we're going to look outside him, perhaps for some value, perhaps for some place money, perhaps for uh, your multiples or whatever you want to do, first fours. Uh, we'll keep the focus away from uh, Enhance Your Calm for our interviews at least. See where he comes up in our picks a little bit later. But yes, uh, Tackle Me Pink, she's come back in stunning form this campaign. Uh, she absolutely jogged at home last week at the park. Uh, on the line is Tony Hurley. He, uh, Tickle Me Pink has come back in stunning form. How did she get uh, through that last start at Alexandra Park when uh, she took out the great northern trotting oaks? Uh, yeah, she's come through it really good and um, travelled down here nice and settled in at Jimmy and Sandy Curtain. So, um, yeah, very, very happy with everything so far with her. She, so, so far, so good. She... She beat the boys first up at Alexandra Park. Can she do it again? Uh, well, to beat Marks and Hansha Khan, Khan, I think you know she'd have to. He'd have to do something wrong. I, I feel, but um, uh, you know, you know, racing's racing, so you never know. But he, he's obviously a very strong horse, and if she could run second to a horse like him in that field, I'd be very proud of her. We have seen her so far this season land, uh, you know, right up on the speed and show exceptional toughness, especially in that first up win. Will the tactic to be, get be to get her somewhere near the speed again on Saturday? Yeah, she's probably just drawn a fraction awkward at six, but um, she's got a bit of natural gate speed, so we'll have to see if we can get her across and slot her in there somewhere, hopefully, and yeah, just see what happens after that. Tony Hurley, uh, really appreciate your time. Hey, all the best with uh, Tickle Me Pink on Saturday. No problem. Thanks very much for that. We'll quickly go back to our Australian correspondent, Brittany Graham. Uh, she's back on the line. Brittany, I want to ask you about All Cashed Up. From a class perspective, uh, has this horse, uh, especially for those out there who aren't so familiar with this Aussie form, has he got the class to match it with an enhanced your calm with a Tickle Me Pink uh, one of these really nice uh, Kiwi trotters. He's certainly shown plenty of ability in his 13 starts to date. And I think probably his most impressive win was two starts ago at Melton where he went off stride and rounded them up and, and was still able to win. Now, that was over the longer trip. And obviously, he doesn't want to do things wrong here. It was interesting to note Jason Lee, who drove him on that occasion, said he actually tends to want to run out the gate. So maybe at a different track where he's not 100% sure of his surroundings, he might be on his best behaviour. But that was the issue two starts ago at Melton. He went to duck out the gate and went off stride and looked to lose or winning chance, but was able to regain himself back together and still win. He came to Menangle last up. That was in the New South Wales Trotters derby. 
And he looked to have his chance. He made his way to the front and was run down uh, by a stablemate and one other. So he did look to have his chance on that occasion. That was over the longer trip of the 2,400 metres. So he drops back to the sprint trip there on Saturday. He certainly has the class if he puts it all together. He's drawn a middle middle of the road uh, barrier out in five there. So it's not the worst thing. He does have gate speed. So he might be able to put himself in a position early, which will probably be half the battle in this field. But he's certainly classy, but it's really hard to line him up because these three-year-old trotters, as you mentioned, they're all very, very good. Right, let's firm up some selections. Probably not going to go too deep on the tactics here because it's a bit of a, a minefield. A lot of muscle will look to hold up early, you'd think. Uh, the Dickie pair, I could see both at least running the gate or giving things a crack out of the gate. you got Cheerful, who can get out as well. So um, I don't like the fact that a lot of muscle could cop a little bit of early pressure. And I would be betting that uh, if he's in the mood, all cashed up would be the one... Uh, that's going to come attack those four inside him pretty quickly. So, yeah, tactically, I'm not exactly sure uh, what's going to happen, where a horse like Tickle Me Pink may end up, but I think she's shown enough class, enough toughness to suggest that gee, she's going to be very hard to beat. Um, I'm probably going a little bit against what Tony Hurley said. Uh, he's expecting uh, her best chance to come if enhance your calm gallops well. I'm probably going against that. I'm going to tip her on top anyway. Uh, Tickle Me Pink to beat uh, 10 and enhance your calm. Very classy horse. Deserves to be at $1.75. But uh, yeah, I just thought the 480 probably. Uh, I'm just going with a the value there, I guess, with Tickle Me Pink. Uh, third placing in my selections went to All Cashed Up. I think he's just a little bit better place than a lot of muscle who may have to do extra off the inside. Um, he is my fourth selection, a lot of muscle at that 8.50 quote. Uh, it was a bit of a toss-up between him and Get Lucky, but uh, things may well pan out pretty well for him from Barrier 1. That's a wrap from the three-year-old Ruby, one of the more fascinating races on Harness Jewel State. Here on Turn It Up, the Punters podcast, we're turning up more tunes here uh, American Girl, Tom Petty, another great tune. Hope you're enjoying this marathon edition of Turn It Up The Punters podcast. You've done well to stick with us so far. We're getting right into probably the most fascinating races of the day the longer we get uh, through the card. We still have plenty to come for cracking Group 1 races, the next of which is the diamond for the three-year-old fillies, a fantastic match race of sorts between Princess Tiffany and Bella Montana. We'll talk to both camps very shortly. Three-year-old Diamond is going to be a fascinating race. I have it as a match race. No disrespect to any other horses in the event. If you may happen to own one or be part of one or keen on one, uh, apologies because I'm probably not going to talk about, it, about them, to be honest. Princess Tiffany and Bella Montana are a class above. Kayla Marie, obviously, uh, a very nice filly in her own right. But, yeah, fascinating contest sitting uh, setting up here. Can see Bella Montana holding up early. Can see Princess Tiffany occupying the chair. And of course, there is the temptation there for Zach Bush to hand up 
and use Bella Montana speed. So fascinating contest. Uh, we'll talk to both camps. We'll go to the inside first. Number one in the book, Bella Montana, Barry Purden joins us on the line. Great to have you back on the show, Barry. Uh, I must ask you first of all, uh, Bella Montana, she's been flying all season, been going brilliant races. Is she still going just as well at the end of things as we lead into the harness, Jules? Yes, yeah, she has, actually. She's, she's handled everything really well, and uh, you know her work has been uh, really good since her since the last uh, run in the in the New Zealand Oaks, so uh, no, we're really pleased with it. Of course, uh, she had luck from Barrier One in the Victorian Oaks. I suppose it was good news when you landed that uh, draw for Saturday. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, no one's a one's a good draw ever you go. I feel so. <laughs> it's uh, no, it was it was it was a bit of good luck on our part to get that for sure. I guess the main thing we saw in Victoria was that uh, she can use both of her strengths. She's a high-speed filly and obviously can stay a bit, so I guess there's plenty of options there for Zach. Yeah, well, that's right. He's, he's got options, as you say, and uh, like she'll get out of the gate good, and then he can just decide what happens after that, I guess. But, um, uh, yeah, no, she, she's uh, very lucky to get a draw like that. It's, it's, it's really good. Very prudent. I hope uh, Bella Montana can do you proud again and uh, bag another Group 1 this season. We wish you all the best. Yeah, thanks very much, uh, Johnny. Thank you. From one Purden camp to another, we'll go back to Mark Purden now. Uh, Mark, need to ask you, Princess Tiffany, she looked back to her absolute peak of her powers in that New Zealand Oaks win. I take it you're pretty happy with her going into the harness, Jules? Yes, it is, Johnny. Yeah, yeah. She's a really good filly and... Uh... Bella Montana probably won't be easy the way the draws have fallen, but nevertheless, I think she's back to um, where she was. does look like a situation where Princess Tiffany, of course, Natalie in the cart, may have to park outside Bella Montana. That's one scenario. If that was the case, uh, obviously sets uh, a big task for her. Are you confident she'll be able to do that? Yes, yeah, that's right. Um, it'll, it'll be a real test, but um, you know, Natalie's quietly confident that she'll, she'll be very hard. Kayla Murray, a clear third pick in the race. She has proven that she's a filly that can do work. Uh, I guess that negates her, well, as an advantage, uh, considering her poor second row draw. Yes, yes, she'll she'll probably it'll probably be a true one race on picking if you if what we think is going to happen is going to happen. But uh, you know, yeah, she she's a tough little filly and she'll she'll go a great race again. Time to firm up some selections for this race. Uh, fascinating uh, tactical battle here. What is going to happen? Zach will lead early on Bella Montana. I think that's uh, that's a guarantee. Uh, Princess Tiffany will come round. Does Zach hand then to Natalie? That is the question. Of course, Bella Montana, I think she's about the fastest horse we've got going around at the moment, certainly in the age group ranks. Uh, she could beat her for speed up the lane. So... That would be the way I would be doing it, but obviously I know very, very little about driving horses, and Zach Butcher knows a hell of a lot about uh, winning Group 1 races. So uh, he's got a decision to make. He'll undoubtedly make the right one. It will be fascinating to see what happens. Uh, I possibly would lean towards the scenario that he he would park Princess Tiffany. If it does come down to that, I still think Princess Tiffany would win and for that reason, she's on top of my selections. Uh, Princess Tiffany to beat Bella Montana. Uh, obviously, Kayla Marie. So we've got five to beat, one and 11. And who am I going for fourth? Well, I'm going $19 shot uh, for a place, $201 for the win. Dinah Brown. Yes, I know she was, uh, you know, she was out of sorts in the, uh, 
in the New Zealand Oaks. But uh, at that price from that draw, she's either going to be in the trail or three deep. Uh, that'll do me. Uh, value there, uh, Dinah Brown. Yeah, she'll obviously need a form turnaround, but this is 1980 compared to a slogging 2-6. So there's a chance that could happen and probably worth the risk there. So, yeah, that uh, firms up our selections for the three-year-old Diamond, one of the more fascinating races. Uh, despite the fact that there's so many horses in the race, you could, you would probably say can't win it. Certainly uh, going to be a fascinating uh, contest in terms of tactics anyway. So, hey, let's crank a little bit, few more tunes. This is you 2 this time. We're getting well through the card on Turn It Up, the Punters podcast. Johnny Turner here. We're having lots of fun talking to all sorts of trainers and drivers. Of course, Mark Purden and Robert Dunn, the main two camps on Jules Day. Uh, we'll be talking to them again after the break. Time now for the four-year-old Emerald, and this could possibly be the full stop on the end of one of the most incredible seasons we've seen in harness racing. Not just, certainly not just in terms of wins or, or accolades. He's probably not going to win Horse of the Year, uh, but Turn It Up has come from ex- obscurity to be a bona fide open class star, and he can seal his season here with a win, dollar fifteen on the book. Uh, certainly suggests it's his race to lose. Uh, we'll welcome Mark Purden back into the programme now. Mark, did you think when you lined up a handy little C2, C1 horse called Turn It Up at the start of the season, he'd take you on this incredible ride that saw him into the fr- uh, New Zealand free-for-all in about start seven, start nine, he's winning an Auckland Cup. It's been an incredible ride. Did you think it was uh, at all possible at the start of things? Oh, it's just been an incredible ride. No, you wouldn't have believed that he was going to turn out the way he has and uh, no he's just he's just been a real find and uh, just a lovely horse what is it particularly about this horse's game that makes him so successful from the outside looking in it seems like he's got every single weapon going for him he's got gate speed he can stay he can sprint what in particular makes him successful from your point of view just really genuine he's just He's a pleasure to drive. If you want to go forward, you can go forward. If you want to come back, and he's just a horse. He takes nothing out of himself in running. He, um, you can just slot him in to the running line, and he just, you know, you more or less put him to sleep, and he just, he only goes when you ask him. So, I, th- I think that's a great trait he's got. He's a dominant favourite for Saturday's race. Does that just mean when you go out there in the cart, you're thinking, can we just keep him out of trouble? Is that the tactic? Oh, look, I think so, Johnny. Yes, look, he'll be quick out of the gate and um, yeah, I couldn't imagine there'd be much there going with him in the early part. Ashley Lokas has had a brilliant season of his own. He's come from obscurity to stardom, like Turn It Up, just on a probably a slightly different scale. Uh, of course, uh, coming back from an injury-plagued three-year-old career to uh, reaching some open class heights with some uh, likes of uh, an Auckland Cup placing and uh, going great races like that. Uh, you must be pleased with the way he's uh, tuned up for the races, uh, for the jewels with his last few races in free-for-all company. Yes, yeah. You know, he's a horse we took to Australia um, this this year and he went in really well early on, but he just tapered off toward the end. But he sort of come back to that form that 
we had him in early on in Australia and his form's great and it was it was an eye catching second last start. In assessing his chances, would it be fair to say he's uh, effectively running for second, Ashley Lopez? Oh look, I, I wouldn't underrate him, but I you know I don't think he'd be turn it up. Naturally, they dominate the market. We mentioned one fifteen about turn it up, but five fifty for Ashley Lopez. But obviously, we need a third place to get her. The the horse best place to do that is Henry Hubert. But of course, we need to know what the gate speed scenario is. Let's uh, get Robert Dunn back in on the program and ask him, Robert. Uh, Henry Hubert, barrier one. Can he hold up? Well, it's probably not his greatest strength, Johnny. Just early, he can lead. But he's one of those horses that he has to be balanced when he does it. And and uh, and um, sometimes you drive a horse like him, if they're balanced on the gate, you can beat any horse out. And if they're not quite uh, balanced for any given reason, then you've just got to be a little bit careful. So it'll be up to Johnny and how the horse skills coming up to the barrier. But he'll be trying to hold up definitely from mine. We're not going to waste those great draws I've got. So, and you know John's style of driving is very strong, very aggressive. So we'll be trying to use every, every good draw we've got, Johnny. Yeah, crucial information there, Henry Hubert, not a guarantee to hold up out of barrier one. Uh, for me, that makes on the cards one of the more crucial players as far as uh, multiple bets or selections go. So yeah, I'm happy to slot him in behind the two favourites. So I don't need to tell you I've got turn it up on top of Ashley Lopez. Uh, on the cards, uh, I'll chuck him in for third ahead of Henry Hubert, who, even if he is astride slow, you'd imagine he wouldn't be getting further back than, say, three pegs, and obviously that's the place to be if you want to be uh, filling the lighter end of first fours or trifectas. So, yeah, uh, it all looks pretty simple. We won't dwell too much on this race. Uh, four to beat six, two and one in the four-year-old Emerald. Uh, speaking of four-year-olds, we have one of the most cracking contests of the day coming up uh, to talk about after the break. Before then, a bit more you 2 Don't know if Bono would be a horse racing man or not. He's Irish, so it's certainly you'd think it's in his blood, but he has got some uh, rather different views on the world, so uh, we won't count on that. Anyway, rather than pondering uh, what musicians think about horse racing, we'll move on to the second last race of Harness Jewels Day. Yes, we're getting through this marathon podcast. We're up to race eight. It is the four-year-old Ruby for the four-year-old Trotters. Arguably the race of the day. Can't wait to run through this. You're on Turn It Up, the punters podcast with Johnny Turner. Having a lot of fun talking to uh, trainers and drivers all across the country. We'll continue that next. Yes, you already know it's a cracking race. Sunday Sun clashes with Winterfell and King's Landing from the All-Stars and Majestic Man from Phil Williamson's fantastic trotting stable. Throw into the mix Majestic Player over from Aussie and we've got a heck of a race. We're not even mentioning horses with talent, the likes of War Admiral Valoria in there as well. So yes, let's naturally find out what this favourite's been doing. He burst onto the open class scene during the Row Cup Carnival. Anzac Cup win phenomenal. Row Cup win massive. 
he's back home now, obviously, at Woodin Beach with Robert Dunn. Robert, he's uh, come a long way. We don't need to ask you uh, how he's going and that sort of thing. Perhaps we need to ask you just why now uh, Sunday Sun is going as well as he has. By the looks of things, it looks like a real strengthening of his gait has helped him get to peak form. Is that the case? I think you're right, Johnny. His gait is just the best it's been all season, and he's. I never saw his trial because I was fogged late and never got down on about a 10 hour uh, exercise to get to Christchurch on Saturday, so I missed his trial, all the trials. And uh, but I know that they were really pleased with. Uh, Johnny was really pleased with his his run. He said he felt just tremendous, and he read off a few fast fractions. But he, it's the rhythm he's got going at the moment. He's just so solid. And you know, and he's he's just um, he's improved on his Auckland runs, and and he's come back, you know, stronger again. So we're looking forward to Saturday with a little bit of confidence. Yeah, it was uh, nice to see him run the gate on Saturday in that trail. I know you obviously didn't uh, didn't catch that, but uh, that'll uh, the reports of that will obviously give you a bit of confidence heading into the weekend. Yep, uh, yeah, Johnny's always confident he could do that. Like he he's um, he's on a really obviously for a fair bit of his career and. And um, and had to be for because he just didn't have the nerve to be able to handle being amongst horses. But um, he just seems to. Yeah, I think once one other start there, he actually left it pretty good at Edmonton a few couple of three months ago. And it, I, I sort of thought after that race that you know he's heading the right direction. And once he gets a draw and he might have to use, he would have the ability to use it. And I think we're we're sort of nearly there now. And um, yeah, a great draw to be able to go forward and. If he happened to find the front, well, it, it, you know, it'll be a, it's going to be a great race anyway. But it'll, it'll take a great horse to run him down. I thought. I didn't see any reason why Valoria couldn't uh, figure, especially after he uh, drew the one alley. Yeah, absolutely. He can't do a lot of work yet. He's just he, he, he's a strong looking horse, Johnny, but he's he's not um, physically, you know, mentally tough yet. <clears throat> Edmonton's always been his worst track, so. But one at the bar, he's going to do no work and he's got high gate speed. He should be able to hold up for a bit of a race without doing a lot of work doing that. If you know what I mean, he, he could just trot the first bit and and uh, he's just so quick out of the barrier. So one's going to be, one's a great draw for him and uh, no reason why he can't be a first floor player. From the Dunn camp now to the Williamson camp, we're bringing Phil Williamson back into the program. Of course, Majestic Man went two excellent races at the Row Cup Carnival. Were you pleased with him, Phil? Johnny, it was his time to step up and show us that he is, uh, you know, up to uh, the sort of grand circuit level, if you want to put it that way. Um, he he certainly uh, went super races both both starts. You know, I think, you know, had the rubber of the green gone his way, he, he might have been able to uh, push Sunday Sun on both occasions, I'd say. Barrier uh, two on the second row, what do you make of that draw for him? Oh, I don't like it one bit, Johnny, but uh, it's just, you know, you just got to deal with that. You can't change it, so you just got to accept it and uh, get over it because um, it's the starting number you got and, and you just got to, that's just how racing is. You, you, it, it could work out to be a good draw. Who knows how the race is going to be run, but it's not ideal on paper when the marbles come out. Um, you know, it's a bit like drawing the outside of the Melbourne Cup. It doesn't mean you can't win, but it's it's. It, it is a wee bit of a negative. Obviously, he's had a reasonably lengthy trip back from Auckland. Has he recovered from that well? Is he, is he working well coming into the race? Yeah, I couldn't be happier with him either, Johnny. Both of them are, uh, you know, we'll have no excuses on their well-being and their how their, their health and fitness is. Um, Majestic Man is uh, thriving and uh, his work has been great. 
so um, no excuses all round on his game. I think he'll be right in the zone for, for Saturday. It's just, um, you know, can the draw be turned around to work in our favour? Um, we'll need a few things to happen. Um, whereas if you draw the front line, you can kind of make your own luck. He does have great gate speed, so that being negated with the second line is a little bit of a negative, but, um, you know... You don't know what sort of pressure is going to be put to uh, Sunday Sun and those ones up the front end. Um, it needs to be uh, plenty, otherwise they're going to get it too easy and um, running over the top of them is going to be uh, very difficult to do if they if they get away with a bit. But um, he'll certainly, uh, I'm sure he's going to go a great race. Phil Williamson, he's not crash hot on the second row draw for Majestic Man, as you've heard. Uh, it hasn't put me off, to be honest with you. Uh, Phil knows more about these sort of things than I do, but uh, yeah, I, I have him ahead of Winterfell and King's Landing, who have both drawn the front, so uh, that's just the way I see things. In terms of tactics, it certainly sounds like Valoria can lead up early, and you'd imagine if he stays there for long enough, Sunday Sun will be coming around and could be the one to take uh, the lead off him. So yeah, it sets up well for Sunday Sun, that scenario. Uh, I've got him on top of my selections. As I said, Majestic Man not rotting off his chances from the draw. I have him in second. Uh, as far as the rest goes, Winterfell's a classy horse, and uh, I have him clearly ahead of his stable mate, uh, King's Landing, who I believe will be a much better horse this time out. You know it's the All-Star stable. He hung and broke in his last start, but you know they've ironed that out uh, over the last couple of weeks. So he's got to go in for fourth uh, ahead of Majestic Player for mine. So four Sunday Sun to beat 10 Majestic Man 8 Winterfell and six Kings Landing. Yes, one more to come on Harness Jewels Day. Yes, we have got uh, through this marathon effort to... uh, bring you hopefully the right information from the right people. We've certainly got the right people on. It's just a matter of whether things quite pan out how we all think they will. So yeah, we'll round things out with arguably the trickiest race of the day. Uh, Of course, no ultimate sniper makes it a wide open affair. We're talking of the three-year-old Emerald. We'll crank a little bit more, you two. We'll come back after the break. You're on uh, the Turn It Up, the Punters podcast with Johnny Turner. Yes, welcome back in, three-year-old Emerald time to wrap up the Harness Jewels of 2019, a tricky little affair. Jesse Duke has come up the crash hot favourite at 1.40, so obviously we want a little bit more information on how he may be going, because uh, as we bring Mark Purden back in, it has been a little bit hard to figure out exactly how he's going. He's been racing uh, free-for-allers, uh, he's had two runs, one was reasonably disappointing by the looks of things. Uh, and then uh, a nice uh, lead-up run for third in free-for-all company. Uh, Mark, were you pleased with those two efforts? Certainly, his last run I was. Um, Johnny, um, you know, didn't expect him to sort of compete at that level, and he, he went honestly, um, but he was never sort of going to beat the older horses. So, um, you know, look, it's not the strongest three-year-old field we've seen at the Jewels, so you couldn't really rule him out from a handy draw. 
Jesse Duke, he's had a long season and a couple of form blimps along the way, but gee, he's been the second best two year old, uh, three-year-old in the country. Uh, as far as uh, Saturday's race uh, after that long season, does he strip at the peak of his powers, mate? Yes, his work's been good through the week, Johnny, so uh, you couldn't couldn't really be happy with him um, as far as his work's gone. Yes, that's the favourite, Jesse Duke. He deserves to be at that. Uh, he deserves to be favourite, but I don't know about the one forty. Uh, you can leave me right out of that. Uh, Barrier five is probably just ended up going to end up tricky enough when, gee, the stacks of gate speed around him, and one horse that we know can run the gate, and we just need to confirm with the trainer Robert Dunn that he's in. Uh, the sort of mood to get out quickly is Heisenberg. Robert Dunn uh, joins us once again. Uh, he seemed to go through a wee bit of a, a flat patch mid-season and uh, didn't look at his absolute best, but gee, his last two or three runs uh, were excellent, Robert. Does he go into the harness, Jules, uh, back at the absolute peak of his powers? Absolutely. He, he's a powerful front-running horse, and we'll be trying to hold up with him because... Um, John's always said that he's just so much better in front. He's, he's gets you know gets his rhythm going. Um, he's terrific, much better without an overcheck and and uh, and um, he can get his head down a little bit low at times. But he just he's one of those art majors that just when they do, um, you know, they get the lovely rhythm going. And he's a strong front running horse, so we'll be trying to hold up. I know Double Rocket's got a lot of speed, but um, you know his races have been stronger again. He did go through a weak flat patch, and it was mainly because he was drawing poor and getting back in the fields, and he's just not quite as good. Uh, but, um, no, if he if he runs up to the size stakes form and he ran third and went that sensational time, uh, he'll give the field a real, um, you know, real shake and, and be a great chance of getting some serious money. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting battle for the front. Heisenberg has gate speed. Double Rocket has stacks of gate speed. Who's going to lead? Who's going to burn... Uh, Who's going to put the acid on and maybe uh, try and cross the other one or hold out the other one? We'll see on Saturday. But uh, yeah, Heisenberg, well placed to lead barrier uh, one, and yeah, he uh, he's a very good place chance. You would think uh, because of that, and the place price around two twenty looks pretty appealing to me. Uh, where Double Rocket ends up, I don't think uh, Heisenberg will let him across, but he may well just burn him for speed. So it's going to be interesting to see where Double Rocket gets to in the run. Uh, Jesse Duke, you'd imagine, would be around when that speed buttoned off. Uh, that is probably a given. Uh, in terms of selections, I've gone Jesse Duke to beat Heisenberg. I think that's your natural Cornella. Uh, and outside of those, I've chucked in Memphis, Tennessee. I think this is a very underrated three-year-old who never seems to draw a marble, and uh, he isn't again on Saturday. The one good thing going for him is he does follow out Double Rocket, so uh, at least he'll be going forward at the start. And I've chucked in Grand Chico for fourth. Uh, he's the second favourite, so he's down in my selections, but I'm just willing to risk him. It could be a mistake. So that is a wrap for our selections for the Harness Jewels 2019. It's been a huge uh, amount of fun. It's been a marathon effort. Uh, we clocked up uh, a big show this week, as you'd expect, but we needed to cover all bases and hopefully we've brought you the right information and the right selections for Saturday's massive race day. Can't wait to be there. I'll be there on track writing stories that you'll no doubt see uh, online and in different websites and places. So uh, check them out uh, if you want a bit of an inside look at some of uh, the race winners. But you yeah, need to give a massive thank you to Mark Purden, Robert Dunn, Tony Hurley, 
Barry Purden. Of course, Phil Williamson, Steve Telfer, and our regular Aussie correspondent, Brittany Graham, as well. It was a lot of fun going through all the Harness Jewels races. Uh, can't wait to see if all these theories and calculations come true. I'm sure some of them will go straight out the window, but others uh, may work out just as we uh, we see them now. So, yeah, I'll be on track, uh, as I said, and I'm really looking forward to it. I hope you enjoy your Harness Jewels experience of uh, 2019. We'll leave you to round out the program, the man himself, the boss, to round out uh, Turn It Up, the Punters podcast with Johnny Turner. It's been a lot of fun. I hope you've enjoyed. We will see you all again next week for I'm Picking, a rather quiet uh, podcast by comparison. Mm-hmm.